Jolly, do you have any cheese at all? No. What a senseless waste of human life. Hello, Cheezets. How are you? It's nice day. Yes. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the Cheese Room Podcast. I'm joined by uh, two of my favorite friends here today. So, uh, first of all, we go to uh, to Austria to uh, to meet the man who knows everything about football. Uh, it is, of course, uh, HG, the Hollow Globetrotter. How are you? I am very well. Thank you, Vladimir. That's another fantastic week in uh, spring-like Vienna. The sun is out and it's been uh, it's been a good time to watch some football. Yes, and the sun is shining on Tottenham as well. Not so much on Dortmund and uh, somebody who was lucky enough to be there and, and watch the game is uh, is my friend, the general, Franco Parker. How are you, Franco? Yes, mate. How's it going, guys? Um, back from my backdoor mission that I told you about. Uh, it was all successful and obviously come away with a great victory and some memories. Yes, and you enjoy the backdoor very much. Uh, but before we talk about the game, I, I want to... Uh, I want to bring something to the attention. You see, uh, Tottenham are uh, this year going further in the Champions League. We have more points than we have last year. And still, everybody on the Twitter and the Facebook is, is moaning. And, and Vlad has decided it is time. If you, uh, if you cannot beat them, you must join them. Uh, I am jumping on the Lenny Isaacs train, choo-choo, all the way to Inicout Station. And I want to say, hashtag levy out, hashtag porch out. Hashtag Doris the tea lady out. That's a bit harsh on Doris. What's she done? Well, I tell you what she has done. She does not like the cups. Her tea is not strong enough. Her mugs are not deep enough. And in the last 18 months, she has not spent any money on a new blend. Fair enough. I think that is fair. So uh, so let us put Doris to, to one side and let us uh, begin with Dortmund. Franco, you are there. Uh, we talked before about the, the yellow wall. Uh, and I want to ask you, is the yellow wall in B&Q in Northampton more scary than the one in Dortmund? <laughs> no, I mean, it's not scary, but it's it's definitely a sight to behold. Um, and listen, the atmosphere was great. Dortmund were great until they realised that they weren't going to do it. Um, and even then, you know, it was, it was good camaraderie between us all. But the Spurs fans were up for it all game. The atmosphere was great. And uh, once we scored, it was just pandemonium, happy times. Lots and lots of German beer had been consumed, I'd imagine. It's like I was watching on the uh, the television in uh, in my loveness in Siberia, and uh, I am amazed that uh, perhaps three and a half thousand Tottenham fans outsing the whole stadium was uh, was truly incredible. Uh, but let us talk a little about the game because this is important. In the first, I don't know, maybe twenty minutes, Vlad is uh, is how you say uh, shitting himself because I think that uh, we are going to get hammered. Uh, Lloyd, how do you see the first 20 minutes of the game? Yeah, I, I agree totally. That's that's what I feared. I feared that we would try and sit back and soak up the pressure. And I, you know, it's it's not our game. It's not we. It's not what we're known for doing well. And so when I saw us doing that, and you know, the fullbacks for Dortmund were flying forward and they were sending seven or eight in every attack, you get a little bit nervous. And there was a 10-minute spell um, after about half an hour where they had chance after chance, and you just thought, like, at some point. They're going to score here, um, so you know, it got to half time at nil nil. I think everyone was pretty relieved, but yeah, it, it's it, it's not good. I, like I don't enjoy seeing Tottenham play so defensively, despite the fact that it works. It's uh, you know, we're Spurs fans. We all have heart rates that are used to being <laughs> at 150, 180 a minute just watching Spurs. We don't need it to do this. No, it was uh, it was truly terrifying. I, I think that they have uh, chance after chance after chance, and and I think that uh, you must give a special shout out to. Uh, to Hugo, who has uh, had his critics, 
and, and Jan Vertonghen, he was immense. Franco, what what do you see from the game? Do you see this too? Yeah, that they kept us in it definitely. I think Hugo pulled off at least two, maybe three decent saves. But I agree, it was it was. I mean, I think the first fifteen or so minutes there wasn't any shots, and it was kind of they still looked like our, our formation just didn't look to be working. We weren't, you know, connecting passes together. The ball wasn't sticking up front, and and Dortmund were getting it back off us quite quickly. And then they started to pile on the pressure, like you say, and they had. By the end of the half, was it like 11 shots against one? I was just looking at the board, <laughs> thinking this has all been one-way traffic. How is it, you know, going into halftime at nil-nil? But it was great that it was. And then, you know, four minutes into the second half, we scored and that was it all over. One chance I think we had. Um, Sun missed that, obviously. Actually, Sun missed that chance in the first half as well, which which could have made a difference. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. But I think there was a formation change sort of late in the second in the first half, which we kind of just sat back a bit and they weren't getting through us as much. And I think um yeah, Poch made the right decision there. But yeah, he was nervous. I mean, this is the thing. Like we when you look at the uh that change, like their fullbacks were flying forward and the guy who played right back, um, Marius Wolf, like he was he was a winger when I watched him in the German second division and like we didn't have anyone down the side, so they were able to attack our fullbacks kind of at will. And so once, yeah, as Franco said, once we did make that change and put Sun at, at kind of as a left winger and moved Ericsson out to the right hand side, we just had we we just had doubled up on numbers. So yeah, it meant that we didn't have enough, or we didn't have as much going forward because Sun was obviously in a more defensive position. But it solidified us completely, um, and you know it t- it meant that we could see out those final five or six minutes where we were really under the cosh. So it, it was a good decision and. Um, yeah, one that paid off because, as we saw in the first game, they switched off at the start of the second half. We got the goal, and I mean, the game was over to the point where I switched over and started watching the IX game instead. I I, I could not do this because uh, as a long-standing Spurs fan, at uh, at eighty-nine minutes and being the four goals in front, I'm still thinking maybe maybe they can come back, uh, but it's not to be. Uh, what was uh, interesting to me, you mentioned uh, Mr. Wolf, and uh, I, I think that he reminds me very much of uh, Kyle Walker at his most frustrating. He uh, he got into very good positions, he he has the ball, and then he crosses into the crowd or out for a throw-in. I, I don't think he has uh, a particularly good game. Do, do, what do you think, Franco? Is he is he a good player? Does he have bad day? Um, I don't know. I don't watch him enough. I mean, all I'd say from that is that he's quite young, isn't he? I suppose still, and maybe he is a bit, a bit um, inexperienced when it comes to that, which is why he's playing at right back and he's not still a winger. But I think we also just defended very well. We, you know, we got plays in the box, and a lot of those chances, um, or they, sorry, they had a, a lot of chances that didn't result in a shot because we were just kind of getting in there and breaking up play around the box. But I just thought a lot of their interplay, like the slight change in formation against the first leg with kind of Royce and, and Goetze behind Alcazar, was um, it worked and their sort of interplay. They were just getting through our defence. So it was some resilient goalkeeping. And, and like you say, Vertonghen had a good game um, and we did enough. I, I felt that uh, perhaps uh, Mr. Harry Winks looked a, a little out of his depth. He, he was uh, very much chasing shadows. Uh, and and I felt that we looked uh, stronger when when Eric Dyer comes on. Do do you Lloyd think perhaps we uh, would not have had such a torrid time if uh, if Dyer starts? I think if Dyer had started, we may have been better to handle the the pressure that we were under. I don't. It's just not Winks's game. Like the the problem with Spurs in that first half was that when we did win the ball, 
um, we weren't able to keep it. And that meant we couldn't find Sun or Kane and they couldn't keep the ball. But our midfielders weren't able to move forward with the ball and keep it under pressure. And then we know Winks can do that, but it just it just never worked out. And I think once we realized it wasn't working, it made us less willing to even try. Um, so it just made the pressure even more intense. So like I, I don't think, I mean, I still think Winks is a great player, but yeah, Dyer is more suited to that type of situation, that's for sure. But also, I think, you know, Winks was playing in that starting formation and then he had to do a lot of work, cover a lot more ground. Um, and, you know, I had to go to cover that left back or that left midfield position and then get back into the middle. It's difficult um, and it wasn't working. But then also, I think you've got to remember that Dyer came on after we'd scored and, you know, Dortmund weren't in it as much. Royce went off, Guerra went off and they kind of, yeah, they, they lost the will to kind of, I know they had a few more chances, but they weren't really giving it 100% anymore. So... It's a bit hard to say whether Dai made the difference or whether it was just the change in the game. I saw the um, expected goals thing that uh, Father Nick usually puts out and it showed that in the 90 minutes that we had two chances and they had two chances. And that's kind of an indication of that, you know, we we did defend well. I mean, we don't like the pressure, but, you know, th- those two chances that they had, it was the Weigel header that Lloris saved. And then right at the end when... Uh, it was like, you know, I think the 89th minute, they had another chance. Those were their two really good chances in the whole game. And ours, as we know, it was Suns in the first half and then Kane's goal. So if you think of, think of it like that, we actually did pretty well considering. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just not good for the heart. No, I think the expected goals thing is a, is a complete fallacy. I, I think that I watched the game and think that Dortmund have perhaps 200 chances and, and not just two. Um, and I think that uh, we were we were fortunate. I think in uh, in surviving the first half, you you get to to have time and think bloody hell, how is this still nil nil? So when we go out in the, in the second half and and Kane gets his opportunity, how cool is the man? He is fantastic. Every time he gets the ball in front of goal, he has a shot invariably back of net. We we have said many times how how good is Harry Kane, but uh, but. He, he now is our top European goal scorer in perhaps half the time of, of any other player. How many superlatives must you need, Lloyd? This, he's amazing, yes? He is. He's truly amazing. I don't remember in my 35 years of remembering and watching Spurs any striker where I thought, this is going in. And with Kane, I do. Like, when Kane misses, I'm surprised. Like, keeper might make a save, but if Kane doesn't hit the target, I'm surprised. So when he was through and he took it early, I just, like, I don't know. I, I thought it was going to go in. And so that, that that's the best thing you can say about Kane is that when he gets a chance, you think he's going to score. Because I don't, there aren't many, there aren't many players out like in the world like that. There really aren't. No, he is, he is one of the best in the world. Franco, do you think perhaps he is the best? It depends. I think when he's on his game, he's just a complete striker. And the thing is, even at the moment, he's he's come back and he's not looked 100% sharp. In that game, I thought he played really well. But whenever he gets a chance like that, like Lloyd says, I'm much more surprised if it doesn't hit the back of the net. Um, as soon as that ball got put through, you just had that sense that he was going to smash it in the back of the net, and he did. So, yeah, you can't dispute the figures either, just the amount of goals he scored. I know we're in Europe a lot more than probably any of our previous strikers would have had the opportunity. So he's had, you know, he's had that chance. But he'll be breaking all of the Spurs records if he stays with us, as well as, like we said before, the England record if he keeps playing for England. Top, top quality striker. Yes, yes, he is he's truly amazing and uh, and supported by a fantastic cast. I think that uh, that many of the players have a, a good game in Dortmund. And, and I think that... 
uh, if we can follow this on, that we will keep the pressure up to to remain uh, on the tails of the uh, of the Liverpool and the Manchester City cheaty much money people. So uh, it is it is looking like a, a very good season for for Tottenham and and Vlad is is a very very happy man. Uh, HD, are you happy where we are this season? Are you a clapper? Are you a where do you see? Look, I'm definitely on the on the clappy side of the fence. I just like I understand both sides. Because I think that people are upset that we've lost games that we probably feel that we shouldn't have done. And we know that we could have got points at home against the, the bigger teams that we lost to. Um, but you can't you can't be upset. You really can't be upset with where we are. Considering what's happened, considering we play all our games away, we're in the last eight of what looks like being a very open Champions League. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to look at you know the four teams that have already made it through and think, you know, we could really beat any of these guys. So um, you'd have to be extremely negative to focus on the one or two games where we didn't maybe get the result that we should have because there were so many games where we got three points and we probably didn't deserve it. You have to be happy with where we are. You just have to be. Let's, you mentioned the other teams that go through. Let us look very briefly at, uh, at some of these games uh, because there are some big results here. I, I don't think Porto and, and Romo is much of a surprise, but... Uh, but Franco, do you ever see Ajax play like this before? They were amazing. Absolutely amazing, especially when you consider that you know Tadic was just looked phenomenal. That the goal he scored was was brilliant, um, and I just think we you know in the stadium we were there, and the score gets obviously put up because it's going on at the same time. And so everyone in the, in the stadium couldn't believe it either. It was like wow, they're really going for it. Um, yeah, a result they've got to be proud of. And Real Madrid, what does it say for them at the moment? Just uh, had a disastrous season, really. They're not looking likely to win the league. I think they're out of their domestic cup. Now they're out of Europe. So, yeah, and it also means that we might get to go to Amsterdam. Although the thought of three and a half thousand Spurs fans in Amsterdam is just <laughs> the absolute bedlam. In, in, interesting thing could happen. Lots of Spurs fans in Amsterdam with the with the mushrooms and the uh, and the teacups and things like this could go horribly wrong. Uh, I was surprised by the the result that comes from uh, from the Bernabeu. Perhaps uh, I expect them to to do well at the uh, Ajax, but they don't. Uh, and then at the Bernabeu, they go and and turn it on. Gusen Tadic, who I watched at Southampton, uh, was terrible. And all of a sudden, he's like a new player. What what has happened to him, Lloyd? Do you see much of the the Ajax team? Um, I haven't seen them too much, but I did read an article about about him. He was, um, I think, one of the French papers gave him a ten out of ten for his performance, which they've only done like nine other times in their history. So they really thought he was very very good. And there was this kind of article that like, when he played for Southampton, um, he was signed by Kuman, but when Kuman left. They replaced him with what Pellegrino and then Mark Hughes, like defensive managers. And Tadic, obviously, Ajax are known for their for their football, the way they want to play. And I think that's probably just it's just a better fit for him. Um, he gets on really well with Ziyech, and um, they just they just didn't have someone to play with him at Southampton. He had a decent relationship with uh, Graziano Pelli before he left, and I think that was his major problem. He's just one of those players that plays well with better players in good systems. And I suspect at Southampton. You know, he wasn't ever really the main man. He was shunted out to one side to accommodate others. And uh, and Ajax, I mean, that I think that's probably his dream club. It, it, it's working really well for him. Yes, and he's one of the uh, the teams that uh, perhaps I, I would like to, to face in the next round. I don't want to face any of the English teams. Um, and we, we take a very brief look at the, uh, at the PSG Man United game because uh, Man United, uh, they overturn a, a deficit. And... Uh, 
and and this is the first time that this has happened uh, to to have a two goal deficit at home and go away and and turn this round. Uh, uh, Tony McCormack on the 100 Spurs fans, he says that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be Man United's uh, Roberto Di Matteo, and uh, next season it will all fall apart, and he hopes that he gets the job. Uh, I hope, of course, that he stays, because then people can stop saying that Poch will go to Man United. Uh, but let us talk very briefly about this game. It's uh, uh, all hinges on a last-minute penalty, and uh, and much debate about this penalty. But, uh, but very quickly, Franco, is it a penalty? <laughs> I mean, uh, we were having a long debate last night between the podders and um, Owen, the caller, does not think so whatsoever. Lloyd, obviously going by the book, knows that it is. And <laughs> basically, it's it's a penalty because that's what refs have decided as a penalty. But if you look at the law of the game, it's just really ambiguous. It basically says that it needs to be a deliberate basically needs to be deliberate and then how you interpret that is down to the refs and I get the idea that they kind of get together every year and say right now we're going to start penalising it if, if there's any movement and I think they said it last night that if you make any kind of you make yourself your, your body bigger and you move towards the ball and it hits your arm then they're going to give a pen I think everyone's losing it because it's another VAR decision but really you know the, the decision would have been given if the ref had seen it properly um so really, it's just, it's a stupid, they really need to clarify the handball rule because in some respects, you can see that it's a bit stupid. If you're jumping in the air, you're not going to be able to do it very easily with your arms by your side. So it was harsh. I would be very disappointed if that was given against a Spurs player, especially in the final minute of a game. But, you know, it was a great night's football. It was exciting. And Man United kind of felt like the underdogs because they got outplayed all game. I don't care how much the media says Ollie was amazing. They got absolutely played off the park and just somehow got gifted all of their goals. It was amazing. But yeah, I don't want to face them in the next round. Like I said, I want Ajax or Porto. Yeah, that, that's the thing with with United. Franco hits it on the head. Like every single Man United goal was from a PSG mistake, right? I mean, that's it. They, they created nothing. Um, I, I saw that they had, what, five shots and two of them or three of them went in and the other two were the shots that led to the goals that went in. I mean, they created nothing the whole game. And so, yeah, like, it, it sucks if you're a Paris fan and if, you know, Neymar obviously was was completely irate with what happened, but they've only got themselves to blame. And that's a that's a pretty solid situation for, for Paris. It happens every year that somehow it all goes wrong. But when you look at things, it's usually their fault as to why. So, like, United were lucky. I think, actually, to disagree with what um, Tony Cormack said, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to keep the job and I think the difference with him and Di Matteo is that Di Matteo, like, he won the Champions League by being defensive. And Man United have scored a lot more goals than they did under Mourinho. They've gone the other way. So if I think if Solskjaer can keep them scoring, um, then he'll do, a, he'll do a decent job for them. Um, it's, just, it's just a shame that it, he joined so soon in the season because had it happened in March, we wouldn't be worrying about them at all. Yes, and, uh, and Tony agrees, uh, read the laws of a game, it is a penalty all day. His arms raised for the jump, um, and he has his back turned, and uh, it's unnatural position. I don't know if it's perhaps unnatural, but I think that the, the move in football is towards every time the ball strikes the hand in, a, in the penalty box, uh, it is a penalty. Uh, and I think that uh, perhaps next season this will be even more so that uh, that you will see more of this given, particularly with the, the VAR. I, I think the thing for me about uh, about this penalty is not so much whether it is or it isn't, but how cool is Marcus Rashford at the end of this game when so much rides on this, he steps up, 
and he takes a great penalty. It is it is a fantastic penalty, and and there is no stopping it. Franco, I I would love to see him in a Spurs shirt. How do you feel? Yeah, I think he's had a mixed season. He's obviously got a lot of talent, and he's a confident lad. He's uh, played for England through all the the different age groups, and he's got that pedigree. <laughs> the thing that amazed me last night as well was he was getting so much dark arts thrown at him from the PSG players. They're all getting in his face. There's a bit of encroachment, I think, which then they kind of like started arguing with the ref. Um, it was it was not an easy situation, especially away. It was not an easy situation to take that penalty. Um, and it's not like he just placed it to one side. He just put his foot through it. So with, with confidence, you know, he, the keeper was only a foot away, but when it was going that fast, he was never going to save it. So yeah, Rashford, I rate him. It was a great, uh, you know, great penalty. Um, but he's not going to join us from Man United. I would take him though. Yeah, definitely. So so given all these surprises so far, uh, do you see any surprises in the games uh, still to come, Mr. Lloyd? Okay, so next week, um, obviously, I think the the two games with the with the most riding on them are the Liverpool Bayern game and the uh, Barcelona versus Lyon. Um, I have a feeling Liverpool are going to score in Germany, um, but I think that Bayern are going to beat them. So that's not going to be a shock. But the Lyon Barcelona game, I mean, Barcelona are the team where you look at and you think, okay, they're going to go through. So that's likely to be the shock. Um, Lyon have already beaten Man City in Manchester this season. I think they're capable of doing it. And uh, yeah, if they only need an away goal to to make sure that happens, then Leon might be somewhere that you that you want to put some money on and get a get a decent return. Like we know that Barcelona are good; they do have the best player in the world. But you know, Leon are a team, and you, you just never know. So that that would be my that would be my guess as to where the shock's going to come next week. I can't imagine Schalke are going to get a result at Man City. So yeah, City should probably go through as well. Um, and the Juve Atletico Madrid game I don't know they could quite easily just play that one out we'll see but yeah I think Lloyd's right there's probably not yep. going to be uh, any upsets about that I'm I'm I still think Liverpool might go there and get a result I don't know Bayern aren't the team they used to be and Liverpool on their day can beat anybody and, and given the, the teams that are left uh, Franco who would you want in the next round I think like I've said Leon and uh, sorry not Leon I would like to, <laughs> uh, Amsterdam or uh, Porto, the two I'd like really. Um, I really don't want to face. The thing is, if now we're going to have to play Man City or Liverpool at any time, it's just horrible. I don't like the idea of playing, like, you know, your own domestic teams in Europe, um, especially not those two. But um, we'll see. We'll probably have to play them at some point, won't we? So yeah, I'd like a, I'd like a nice easy round next piece, and the easiest two games are probably Porto or Ajax. But they're all tricky now. Um. Yeah, I like as someone who used to live in Holland, I do have a soft spot for Ajax, so I'd like to see that. But I, I think actually Spurs would do better against teams that we may think that we don't that we're not the favourites. So I'm hoping for maybe someone like um oh, who's that leave? <laughs> I suppose if Leon go through, then I would want Leon. Um although I think yeah, maybe we think we were favourites for that. It's it's tough. Like Atletico Madrid uh won't be the easiest game but I suspect it might bring the best out of us more than maybe a Porto or an Ajax will. And like Franco said, like I don't want an English team. Like The last thing I want is for us to play Man City three times in two weeks. Because so, that's what it would probably be like if we, uh, if we draw them in the quarters. So that, that would be the worst case scenario for me. I think that, uh, that I, would, uh, I would like perhaps to, to go to Bayern. Uh, I think that, uh, that I would like to see Tottenham play Bayern. I, I don't know that they're... They're not the team they used to be. They are uh, they are picking up pace again, and I think it would be a good game. I think it is uh, 
is something that we could win, but would be a, an, an interesting and, and a good game. Um, but we, we move from the, uh, the Champions League, where you play all the best teams, to, uh, to briefly laughing at the Europa League, where, uh, where you play the shite teams. And, uh, and there is a, a game in, uh, in a place that sounds like an indigestion tablet. Uh, and uh, the Ars are beaten 3-1. How do you feel about this, Mr. Franco? This is good news, yes? It is good news, yeah. It was, um, they were quite lucky to be 1-0 up so early on as well, and then <laughs> couldn't have happened. I mean, the free kick as well. When you see the goals, like the, the guy smashes it into the wall, just bounces back to him, and he just smashed it again. Great goal. And, um, and then they've just piled on the pressure for the rest of the game, really. Arsenal obviously had their... their um, Socaridis sent off um, and then they just capitulated really they just look rubbish I can't wait to watch Arsenal fan TV later um, and yeah it's going to be difficult for them the thing is Arsenal have well got it in, in them to kind of just pull off a 2-0 victory at home but it certainly puts the pressure on um, with Man United at the weekend as well it's not going to be good for morale so yeah it's it's good and frustrating that they can put in a decent performance against us and then look so abject tonight but this is a, a North London derby, and, and in the past, when we have a poor team, we put in amazing North London derby performance, then go and lose to Bradford. So this is not unexpected. Um, but I think we must take our pleasure wherever we can find this, yes? Very true, very true. We don't want to talk about them for too long, because this is a Spurs pod. It is not a uh, pod on the dark arts of football. Um, so we move then into the, the next game, which is Southampton. Now they have uh, they have improved under uh, this, uh, this this man uh, Hasselbeck or whatever his name is, but uh, they they are still a poor side. Do you see any problems for us against Southampton, Lloyd? Uh, if we play like we have done in the last few weeks, then yeah, I do see a few problems. Southampton have got a lot better. They're attacking more and they're getting decent results under Hasenhutl, who I, I do think is a pretty good manager. So, um, you know better teams or other teams have gone to Southampton and lost it's not going to be easy um, but I've said that for a few seasons and I feel like we always tend to win there now so um, it's it's just an, it's another game where if Tottenham play to their best then then we should get the three points but you know we've said this before we haven't played to our best very often this season at all so if Kane's on form and we take our chances we'll win but uh, get, getting that balance right between attack and defence, I don't know if we've really managed it too often um, this season. I know that um, Deli Ali is supposedly fit again, but I, I'm not sure he's going to go straight back into the team. And perhaps he should because he is the missing link. But uh, and it would be nice to have our you know our famous four up front again because it is one of those things. If those four start, then I think we have a chance to win any game we play, right? And we haven't had all four of them start in a long time. I think not since the Man United game. So uh, if if we can have that, then we can get the three points. So it's 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 difficult, but I'm positive. But but given that uh, that Deli is coming back from a, an injury, Franco, do you think that perhaps this is a game where you sit him on the bench and give him maybe ten minutes rather than than start him and and risk the, the occurrence? Or or do you think that because we have a, a international break? Uh, of two weeks that that maybe this is a good time to to start Delhi. How do you feel? I, I never really like seeing players come straight into the team back from injury, um, especially not when it's like a pull or something like that, because you you feel that he needs to kind of just ease himself into it. Um, and I wouldn't even risk him if we you know if if we we need a goal. It's the sort of you know I'd bring them on if it's just a, a you know running around and covering space for half an hour. 
But I don't think we need to play him either. Moore has not really played much recently. Um, and obviously, we've still got other attacking options. Uh, Lamella, I know Lloyd doesn't really consider him an attacking option. But he, he's, he can play in that position. And listen, I mean, Southampton are playing well or better than they were at the start of the season. But they haven't actually got that many decent results of late. I know his first game was against us, wasn't it? We beat them 3-1 back in December and then they beat the Gooners. But then um, they kind of beat, I think they've been Huddersfield, Leicester, Everton and Fulham, who are all teams that aren't really that great and they've lost against any decent team they've played. So I think as long as you put in a decent performance, we will get the result of the weekend. I mean, that's the thing with Southampton. Defensively, they're still very suspect. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're scoring a lot more than they used to, um, which is obviously giving them some decent results You know, in games that the three points were vital more than anything else. And so when you know that they can score, like Ward-Prowse has scored four or five in the last you know, six weeks. So he seems, he's in a rich vein of form. But uh, yeah, like I mean, I do agree. It's It's just, I think if we go ahead then the game will open up and we'll do really well. But if Southampton score first, well, yeah, it's just tough. We, we we seem to give teams a head start and we need to stop doing that. We need to score first in a game for once. I, I think that uh, the question I'm about to ask, if I if I tell myself at the start of the season that I will be asking this question now, I would think, flat, you are mad. You must be locked up with your arms behind your back. But uh, Tell me, Franco, who is going to partner Musa Sissoko in the centre of the midfield? <laughs> he's he's number one on the team sheet, isn't he? All I want is a team of absolutely. All I want is a team of Musa Sissokos. Will be the chant by the end of the season. Um, I think there's a chance that Dyer might play. Otherwise, um, it'll be Winks because that's just what Poch has done all season. Wanyama didn't really look too great, um, did he? And he, I don't know whether he he'll be he'll. Um, be with us much longer. I think we need a big overhaul in the in the summer. But like I say, at the weekend it's it's likely to be dire, and if not, then Winks will, will continue playing there. I don't know if uh, if Winks uh, hurts himself in in Dortmund or if he just catches the end of the old fella in his skins. Uh, Lloyd, do you have any any news on this? I know the club came out and said that he you know, he hurt his groin um, in the Dortmund game. That to me suggests that he's not going to be fit. So I think Dyer will start, but. Uh, it's one of, again. It's one of those kind of perfect timings. Like Winks is going to be out maybe for a game or two, and then so Delhi can come back and maybe start on the bench and replace that. We're I don't think we're going to have a full squad to pick from, but we I think so far this season we've been relatively fortunate that injuries have happened at times when people are coming back and vice versa. So yeah, it's uh, yeah we'll see, won't we? It's... And it's a good time to have three weeks off. I said this the other week. You know, we've we've got players in all different states of repair and fitness at the moment. So you kind of think that the team, uh, you know, the coaching team can look at what the players need and get them all to the best level of fitness they can be in three weeks' time. And then we can have a push for the end of the season. So Poch came out um, today and said that they're going to Barcelona again for a week before the international break. So that's a good chance for everyone to just get out of their normal routine. Sometimes a change is good. So... Um... Yeah, that's it's it's what we've done every year and it's a chance for the team to bond again and so we can go into the final six weeks of the season feeling really refreshed. Yes, it's uh, the international break. We will spend the entire time thinking, I hope that none of our players get hurt because there are there are not many games that uh, that I am caring about in in this international break. Um, what I am uh, what I'm interested in is how do we think that uh, 
that Pochi's touchline ban affects us uh, in the game at Southampton. From from what I understand, he's still allowed in the dressing room. He's allowed to give a halftime team talk, um, and he's just not allowed on the bench. Uh, this is not where he has to hide in laundry basket and uh, and send carrier pigeons to to Perez. It is a, a I think they call a soft ban. Uh, do you think this affects us, Franco? I'm not sure. Uh, the way that Poch talks about what he does with the team is he just kind of, you know, gives them the basic framework of how he wants them to play, tells them what they, you know, what he expects from them, and, and then kind of allows it. But, and I do wonder how much impact a, a manager can have. You do see managers ordering individual players to move like five meters to the left and stuff like that. But Poch isn't really that sort of manager. Um, and also Perez, he's, he basically just says that all game, anything he says, he consults with Perez first. So, I think that. Um, it shouldn't be too much of a, of, a, of a drama for us. But also, they've still got time to contest it because it does seem like a ridiculous ban. People are making the point about Klopp um, and there's plenty of other examples. But two games for that, I'd be interested to see because it didn't really seem like he was really getting in his, uh, you know, being abusive to him. He was getting in his face, but it was the fact that the ref had said something to him, wasn't it? And I, I can't imagine that um, Potch would react that way unless it was something that was a bit ridiculous. So it'll be interesting to see what happens the next day or two because we've still got time to uh, to argue the case. Yes, and, and Gavin Hullett says uh, that maybe the FA should investigate what Dean says to Potch to get him so pissed off um, and that he feels that the refs are bubble wrapped. Uh, Nick Leron thinks that Dean should be punished for uh, impersonating an official, which uh, sometimes I, I can't agree with. Uh, Lloyd, what do you think? Poch, I think, said that he would take his punishment like a man. Uh, do you think we should appeal this? Uh, Poch came out today and seemed pretty angry at, at what was what was decided. So I, I suspect he may he may feel like he wants to appeal. But like I mean, having watched games from you know ground level and also from the stand, sometimes I feel like you know you can see more from the stand. So like he may it may end up being a blessing in disguise i know that he wants to be close to the players and you know obviously he's used to being on the bench but i i don't i don't think it's going to be a massive issue um it's i i think it's more about kind of getting him to, getting the attention on him and then the team can can go out and do their job without any other pressure and also as long as he can do his half time you know, it's half-time talks. That seems to have, you know, in games where we've needed a bit more energy this season, our players have come out and played a bit better in the second half or little changes have been made. Um, so I think he can do anything he needs to do at half-time if needs be. And, you know, he'll be mic'd up to, to Jesus and he'll be, you know, he'll be shouting out the orders himself. So I don't really see an issue with it. Mic'd up to Jesus. He has a direct line to the Son of God. This is fantastic. Uh, I'm sure you mean Jesus, but uh, anyway, we don't dwell on no, this. We're English. <laughs> Jesus, mate. I think that uh, that was Glenn Hoddle that uh, used to sit in stands for the first maybe half an hour of the game to, he say, watch the shape of the game and see what tweaks he can make to, to improve. So maybe Poch does enjoy this this different view and, uh, and gets uh, more information about the game because of this. Uh, I want to just uh, move to how we uh, how we think the game will will play out, uh, and I want to ask Franco first. How do you think we we go in this game? Do we win? Do we draw? What is the score? Uh, we, well, we need to win, don't we? That's all it is. Is we need to win. I don't, and I think we will do it. We've we've not looked great recently. I just if we don't win this game, it's just going to be three weeks of depression because whatever happens in the Man United Arsenal game, they'll, they'll they'll obviously both or one of them will, will catch up with us and it'll just, it'll be very nervy. So I think we need to go out there, put in a decent performance and we'll come back 
two one winners lloyd how do you feel um like if i was a spurs player i'd be looking at that man united game and thinking man united are gonna win right i think they're at home so i think they're gonna go out and beat arsenal so that's good because it might take arsenal further away but uh yeah like we, we play first so out the pressure is on us to go out and you know give ourselves a nice sunday off so um what do i think is going to happen we've been wrong recently and said that we were going to lose in dortmund and we went on and won so you know, i'll give the boys the benefit of the doubt i'll go with 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 francis and i think we're going to win and i think we'll win by a couple so i'll go two nil spurs i i think that uh Vlad would take uh, an ugly six nil victory but uh, i think that uh we will win six nil because Vlad always thinks this and uh, I think we come away with three points and uh, we are nice and relaxed going into the, uh, the international break. Put feet up, enjoy Barcelona and, uh, and have a nice time. Um, I want to, uh, to say to Mr. Jolly, who has not been able to be with us today, uh, uh, thank you for, for everything you do. We reached 3,000 likes on the Cheese Room page. This is amazing in, in less than one season. And uh, I want to say uh, to thank you to, to everybody that listens and watches the videos and likes the memes and... Uh, gets involved on the page and and keep doing this because we are we are here for you this is not for me or my ego which is massive but uh it's we are here for you uh and from the heart of my bottom a very big thank you to all of the cheese heads thank you for listening thank you for being here and uh goodbye come on you spurs come on you spurs come on you spurs Jolly, do you have any cheese at all? No. What a senseless waste of human life.